Jesus is a friend who watches day and night. I can go to him in prayer. He knows my every care. And just a little talk with Jesus makes it right. So let us have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our trouble. He'll hear your faintest cry. He'll answer by and by. When you feel a little prayer will turn. You know a little fire burning. Find a little talk with Jesus makes it right. I may have doubts and fears. My eyes be filled with tears. But Jesus is a friend who watches day and night. I go to him in prayer. He knows my every care. And just a little talk with Jesus makes Remember especially the ones that's working in the medical field. It's around everything. Let's ask God to keep his hand upon them. Hallelujah. Because all of this is in God's hands. And he is a miracle working God. And I know him tonight in the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 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 Let's love him, church, and ask him to come in this service. Thank you, God. We love you, God. We praise you, God. All of our church family, God, we pray for you. Are wonderful. We ask you that you will are be known here tonight. Ask you, Lord, every need, every situation, every position, Lord. God, I pray for you, Lord. Heal her. Keep her hand up on All our church family, God, keep your hand up on them, Lord. Keep your hand up on Thank you, Lord. 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 Hallelujah. 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 You may be seated if the brothers have put the offering pans on the altar benches. And let's bring our offering if you would. Glory. Keep it on time, God. Yeah. 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 
Hallelujah. While we remain standing, Brother Looper's coming at this time. Brother Looper, bless him, Lord. Praise the Lord, everybody. Why don't we all clap our hands and worship the Lord together tonight? Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lord bless you. You may be seated for a few moments. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord tonight. So thankful for God's goodness and His mercy and His blessings and allowing us to come to His house to worship and to praise and to glorify His great name. I'm glad for another opportunity to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. God has been good to us. God has smiled on us in the midst of this troublesome time. God's still in control. God still loves His church. He has not forsaken His people. Hallelujah. And I'm so thankful for all of God's goodness. And uh, I'm thankful for God's blessings. And uh, I tell you what, just serving God is just the best life to live. I don't know what people do without God. And uh, I'm thankful today that we are able to gather here and... um, I do not want to be, I say this every service, I do not want to be crazy. I don't want to think like there's nothing going on. I know there's very serious things happening today. And I want to be very cautious about that. That's the reason why I ask you, please, at the church. Now, I know that some of you get together when you're not at the church. I know that. But please, at church, don't be talking close to each other. Don't be setting close to people that you're not uh, in your family, your your family, your household. And uh, we want to honor the rules that have been placed. And uh, God has has favored the church by the governor and our officials, and we're thankful for that. But we don't want to abuse that right. And uh, I know the local officials are trying to do what is best. I understand that. And I support them in trying to do what's, what's the right thing to do. And I am for social distancing. And uh, we are going to do that here. We're going to continue to have multiple services. There will be two services on Sunday morning, just like there has been the last couple of weeks. There will be one service on Sunday night. What will happen on Sunday night if too many gather here, I will move a group to the gym and we'll have a separate service over there uh, because I'm trying to uh, to keep it as, as uh, spread out as we possibly can. And I know you want to go to church, and I'm glad you want to go to church. And uh, I, want, I know you want to be faithful to the house of God, and I appreciate that. And I still tell everybody... There is no hard feelings. I've had people text me, oh, Brother Looper, I hope that you know that I'm not against you. I know that. I understand that. And if you're listening on the Internet tonight, I understand that. There is no problem with that. I want people here that is that is perfectly comfortable. And if you're not comfortable, don't be here. Listen on the Internet. That's why we're doing this. And uh, But I do want you listening. Now, if you're not listening, you're disobeying. And God's not pleased with that. And uh, I don't know what God will do to you, but I don't want to be in your shoes. 
And uh, so uh, do that. And I ask you when you're at home, you that are at home tonight listening, treat this as a church service. Get your family together. Get your Bibles out. Have church along with us. And uh, we're going to try... We're going to try to promote a spirit, an atmosphere in here that will carry through the airwaves and uh, whatever waves it goes through now. I don't know what kind of wave it goes through, but that it will carry and touch you in your house because we need the strength that only God can give. We need a touch from God that only God can give. I was listening to the news today and they were telling a sad, sad story. And uh, this has already been predicted, and it will, it will be carried out many, many more times before this is over. That a man come in, he had lost his job, feeling destitute, feeling that there is no hope with all the news and the things that are going on today. Walked in the house, took his wife's life, and took his own life. And um, that's sad. That's because people don't have nowhere else to go. That's the reason why I trust in God. Amen. If I didn't have God right now with all this happening, I'd be a, a miserable, miserable man. But I'm still comfortable in the arms of Jesus because I know that He's in control. Amen. And so I want you to try your best when you come into the house of God. Work with us on that. And don't congregate before church or after church. Let's get in. Uh, I know this is totally unlike us. But we're in a totally different time right now. And uh, let's get in. Let's get out. And uh, if you want to socialize, invite whoever you want to come to your house. But let's, I, don't, I do not want the church to be a, a, a magnet of negative publicity. Okay? And uh, I want this to be a place that's sending out waves of hope not of negative publicity. And uh, so let's do that and let's work together, and I appreciate it. Don't think that I'm overbearing or I'm crazy and uh, foolish and all of that. I still go to the gas station. I still go to the, the store. Today I've done something very important. I went and had my truck service. But but anyway, and so life life carries on, and life life just continues to work. But we're trying to keep the house of God as as safe as we possibly can and uh, so so work with us on that so remember church services will be continued as scheduled I ask the ones that possibly can come to the early service leave the 1030 service for the families that have children and uh, we take them over to the gym and we're separating them also and uh, we're trying to do everything as well as we possibly can but I want to I want to thank God. I do want to thank God. Everybody is not as blessed as we are. And uh, they're, they're fighting battles just to have any kind of gathering. And uh, I want to thank God uh, for our officials and especially our governor yesterday that he said this was his words. I may not be quoting it word for word, but in the state of Texas, church is still considered an essential place to go. And I do appreciate that very much. And uh, for everyone that's listening and everyone that wants to Facebook anything that I say or whatever, I am not 
critical of our local government, okay? I want to make that very clear. I'm not critical of our local government, but I am thankful for the one that is in charge made a statement. And I also heard uh, the question asked to the, of the president today uh, concerning a pastor that was arrested in Florida. And uh, the president said uh, that it's sad that we would say that people can't gather together in church because church is what people need right now. And uh, he kind of skirted the issue, but neither did he criticize or critique anyone that's gathering together worshiping God. And I believe that it is up to us as ministers And that's what I'm doing right now, to make this as safe and to spread us out as possibly as far as we can be. And uh, that's the reason why I'm having multiple service. I'm not having multiple service because I want to preach twice every Sunday morning. But I'm having that to try to uh, protect you, to protect all of us, and uh, also give us the spiritual food that we desperately need and trying and difficult times. Amen. So I, I hope that I've made myself very, very clear, and I hope that you're not misunderstanding. I wrote something down, and I wrote it with my glasses, and I, we want to pray. Yes, we want to pray for our leadership, and uh, along with Brother Cooper's already mentioned tonight, let's pray for all of those that are in the medical field I know there's uh, different people that we are in contact with or or know very well that have members of their congregation. And some of these people that have members of their congregation that's sick didn't even have church, so you can't blame it on that. And uh, so they have members of their congregation uh, that are sick tonight. Brother Ham has a lady in his church that is very sick. She was a nurse at a hospital, and uh, she is extremely sick, and we need to pray for those and ask God to touch and work miracles across this country, that he would protect us and protect this this whole state, this whole country, change the whole world. But I, I, this, there is no better time than right now to make your calling and election sure. And uh, I tell you what, in the midst of bad news, I know I may not be supposed to tell it. But I can't help it. I can't help but tell it. And uh, if I had Facebook, I'd probably post it. Because people need some good news on Facebook. And uh, but, But Monday night, I got a call or I got a text. And... uh, the text asked me, would I come up here at 6.30 Tuesday night and baptize Courtney Bird in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. So... So the good news is that I come up here at 6.30 and we baptize them here in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of his sins. Hallelujah! Praise God! Praise God! Praise God! Amen. Amen. 
And uh, he felt something that he hasn't felt in his lifetime. And I told him we come out and we were standing here talking. And I said, there's no better time right now, Courtney, than to get the Holy Ghost. I said, because we can't all get around you and shove on you and push you and holler and scream in your face. We have to give you your space. And I'm just believing that God would fill him full of the Holy Ghost. Amen. This is a prayer that we've been praying for for a long, long time. And I'm thankful that God still hears and God still answers prayer. Amen. Amen. We're serving a good God. It's a good day to know Him and the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. We're so glad to have Brother and Sister Smith here with us. And uh, so thankful for Him helping us out. I know they're staying a little longer than what they anticipated, but I'm enjoying them being here. I want them to feel very comfortable. They're not a burden to me at all. And they're not a burden to this church. I appreciate and love Brother and Sister Smith. These are great people. We want Brother Smith to come and obey the Lord tonight. Do whatever he feels on his heart today. Give us the word of God. Let's all clap our hands and shout unto the Lord with the voice of Christ. To the Lord be the highest praise. We love and we worship you, Lord. We've come lifting you up. We've come magnifying your name. We thank you for your excellent greatness. Oh, hallelujah. One more time, let's clap our hands to the Lord with high praise. Lord, you alone are worthy. We've come to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise be to God. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Looper. And uh, thank God for the pastor. Everybody needs a pastor. And this pastor, uh, his passion, his love for God and the people of God bleeds through in every service. You not only uh, hear it, you feel it. And uh, his uh, passion for the people of this church family, even during this time of such critical needs, is very apparent. And uh, we pray for Brother and Sister Looper and their family, give honor and esteem to them. Also highly respect Elder Duplissy and his wife. And, and uh, thank you. Thank you to the church family for your kindness to the Smiths and and uh, we we are here a little longer than anticipated, and we do not want to wear out a, a warm welcome. But uh, it is a privilege to be together with the people of God and to minister again from the Word of the Lord tonight. What a wonderful, wonderful privilege it is to have this Word of the Lord that is unfailing. In, uh, in rocky times, I want you to know the Word of God is stable. The Word of God is secure. The Word of God will never fail. Amen. And I thank God for His Word. I uh, taught a week ago tonight. I could uh, uh, barely get into a Bible lesson. I am not going to be redundant. Tonight, but since I am picking up on the Bible study that I was teaching 
a week ago tonight, I will preference my teaching with the scripture uh, verses that I gave at the outset of the teaching a week ago. The first one in Isaiah chapter 59, verse number one, where we hear the prophet say, Behold, the Lord's hand is not too weak to save us, neither his ear heavy or closed that he cannot hear. Oh, that gives me great encouragement to know that the Lord cares about his people. Again, from Isaiah chapter 40, verse number 28, the question being asked, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard? That the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is he weary. I'll just be honest with you. I get tired of hearing some things. I get tired of hearing the same old, same old, you know. But the Bible said, you know, he, that he fainteth not, neither is he weary. But he giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increaseth strength. While youth faint, and they are weary, and young men utterly fall, yet they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary, They shall walk and not faint. That ought to encourage every one of us in the midst of challenging times, in the midst of things that are discomforting to us. We can tell it to Jesus and we can tell it to him again and we can talk to him some more about it. And his ear is open and his hand is outstretched and he will give to us what we have need of when we call upon his name. Let us also consider from the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, the verse that we often quote that says in verse 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't let that get away from you. It doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter what people say. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then a verse of Scripture that I I quote oftentimes, whether in America or all over the world, where Jesus said in Mark 11, verse 22, to His disciples and to us, He said, Have faith in God. Amen. I want you to know my faith is in Him tonight. He is the rock of defense. He is my strong and mighty tower. He is my shelter from the storms of life. He is everything I need for Him to be. And my faith is in Him and in the power of His name. For Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and and cast into the sea, and has no doubt in his heart, then he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore, Jesus said, again, when you pray, believe that you'll receive, and you shall have it. Amen. And so, my subject last week, and again tonight, has to do with keys to receiving answers from God. 
I do not claim that I am giving you all of the keys. I want you to know every key that works is a good one. Amen. And so, though I only talked about two keys last Wednesday night... Those keys are very good keys. The first one that I spoke about was a key of always looking beyond the size of our problems to see and consider the greatness of our God. I'm not going to go back through and relate all that we talked about, but always look beyond the size of the problem to the greatness of our God. How big is He anyway? How tall is he anyway? How far can he reach anyway? Amen. I thank God for his greatness. The second key that I spoke about was the key of fervency. All of us need to get desperate enough in our praying that we will press beyond every hindrance. Amen. And there are hindrances that all of us come up against in life. There are hindrances that we are very familiar with, and then there are times when hindrances seem to come out of nowhere. They just show up. You're not expecting them, but they happen. But oh, thanks be to God, we need to be fervent and desperate enough that we will get beyond the hindrances and never give up when it comes to seeking for answers from God. The third key that I want to talk about, and I'll begin here this evening. When it comes to receiving answers from God, there must be a steadfast faith. Steadfast faith. We need to stop listening to the negative. Because negative voices and negative thoughts are bound to hinder faith. Someone said, well, you know, that's sister so-and-so, that's brother so-and-so, that's just the way they talk, you know, they're negative. Well, I don't want to hear it. I, I don't want to be contaminated by it. I, I don't mean to be unkind, but I'm, I just don't want to be dwelling on the negative. The neg- There's enough going on in this world that's negative. We don't even be, need to be reminded about it. But we have a God that's on the throne. He rules from the heavens. And I want you to know He'll always have the final say. Amen. So stop listening to the negative. Negative voices and negative thoughts abound to hinder faith. I've heard it said that it takes 40 positive thoughts to override just one that's negative. God have mercy. There are some people I know, Elder, they couldn't talk long enough to get beyond the negative. If it takes 40 positive thoughts to override one negative, God have mercy for them. Uh, I don't mean to be critical. I don't mean to be unkind. But if you have a problem speaking what's negative, you need to stop it. You need to stop it. You need to find a place to pray and say, help me, Jesus. If it comes out of your mouth before you finish the sentence, you need to say, oh, forgive me, Lord. You're bigger than that, and I'm looking in your direction. Amen. You see, 
Faith that is steadfast is very, very important. We absolutely do not have to accept everything we hear. We're bound to hear some negativity. We're bound to hear some things we don't even want to hear. However, we don't have to accept everything we hear. So again, I come back to this key for receiving answers from God. We must have a steadfast faith when we pray. We must be steadfast in our faith. In reading the story of Lazarus from the 11th chapter of John's Gospel, it's quite apparent to me that Martha's faith was having a big struggle trying to rise above the bleak circumstances of her brother's unexpected death. I understand that. I understand it was a major disappointment. I understand how much they wanted Jesus to get there. I say I do because if that would have been my brother and Jesus was his close friend as he was to Lazarus and he was anywhere around, I'd want Jesus to get there. So I think I understand that she was majorly disappointed. But because she was so disappointed and because she was so distraught over the fact that Jesus didn't get there in time and her brother died, she was having a big struggle in her faith trying to rise of that disappointment. In fact, from my take of the account, her faith was completely overrun with doubt. And whenever the Lord arrived at Bethany, and He did show up, He doesn't always show up when we think He should, but He did show up. And I want to tell somebody tonight, He will show up. Amen. When he arrived at Bethany and Martha was able to address him, and she did, her voice echoed with negativity and even accusation. As she pointedly said to the Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. That's pretty negative. That was very pointed. It was coming across loud and clear. I don't think Jesus needed an interpreter. I think He knew exactly what Martha was saying to Him. She was frustrated. She was full of doubt. She was very negative. And she was accusing the Lord of failure because He didn't get there in time and her brother died. Of course, whenever Jesus told her that Lazarus would indeed rise again, Martha did express faith for the future. In fact, uh, she, she uh, was able to get some words out and she said, Oh, oh, I, I know that, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But even though she mustered a little faith for the future, obviously she felt absolutely nothing but doubt for the moment. She wasn't talking about the future. 
She wasn't looking to the future at that moment. She was living in the present. And she was overrun with grief. And she was troubled because her brother had died. And so she just simply said, I know in the resurrection He'll rise again at the last day, whenever that's going to be. To which Jesus replied, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection. Every one of us as people of God need to remember He's still I am. He's still I am. He's I am in the midst of coronavirus. He's I am in the midst of our struggles. He's I am in the midst of our questions. He's still I am. And then Jesus went on to say in verse number 26, Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Now, Lazarus was his friend. Lazarus obviously believed in him, but he died. And now he's saying to Martha, Whoever it is that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And before he could hardly finish the statement, he looked at her and said, Believest thou this? Do you believe what I'm telling you? And she either had to say yes or no. And she said, yea, Lord. Yet whenever Jesus, and again, I'm not being, I'm not trying to be condescendory in my remarks. I'm not trying to be uh, pointing fingers of, of blame at Martha. I'm just simply saying uh, her circumstances weren't good and she was allowing negativity to run over her and then back up and run over her again and then drive over her and back up over her back and forth. And if we're not careful, there are things in life that will do the exact same thing to us. So here we are and uh, he asked her, do you believe that uh, what I've just told you, he that believeth in me and liveth in me shall never die? And she said, yea, Lord. But they get to the gravesite now, and standing at the gravesite, Jesus instructed uh, that they would take the stone away from the tomb, away from the grave where Lazarus was buried. And when Jesus said, take away the stone, Martha said, uh, and you listen to her, there was total negativity in her voice. Whenever she said to the Lord, Lord, by this time, he stinketh. He, he's already been dead for four days. Now, Jesus had just been talking to her. Jesus has just tried to address her situation. He's tried to lift her out of the, uh, uh, the uh, immersion of negativity. He's tried to explain He is the resurrection and, and people that live and believe in Him aren't going to die and all of this. And now they're at the grave and He's telling people, take away the stone. And she's saying, but Lord, by now He stinketh. 
He's been dead for four days. However, Jesus pressed beyond her negativity to tell her, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. I want to tell somebody tonight, in the midst of the struggles that you face, in the midst of times that seem to overwhelm you and become bigger than you know what to do with, back off from up from it till you can see the greatness and the goodness and the glory of God. And if you'll just feed your faith, if you will just believe, then you too will see the glory of God. And to be very honest with you, that's just exactly what happened that day. As the stone was taken away, Jesus called for Lazarus to come out of the grave. Did he come out? Yes, he came out. He came out of the grave. He was bound in grave clothes. And Jesus told those who stood by, loose the grave clothes that bind him and let him go free. Need I remind you of what resulted from such a notable miracle? Verse number 45 of the chapter tells us, Many of the Jews believed on Jesus. It was a miracle. People that might not have believed otherwise now are believing on Jesus. Because Jesus called Lazarus out of the tomb. He raised him from the dead and told people to loose the grave clothes from him and let Lazarus go free. Uh, However, in between Lazarus' death and the unfolding of this notable miracle, there was indeed a great conflict between faith and the negative. And I promise everybody under the sound of my voice tonight that in between the situations that we are troubled by time and time again and the answer that we receive from God, there may be some struggles. In fact, oftentimes there will be struggles, struggles and conflicts between faith and the negative. In fact, this miracle of Lazarus being raised from the dead came very close to being aborted simply because Martha's faith floundered and she struggled to rise above the thick clouds of negative thoughts and negative words which were pouring out of her own mouth. They were coming out of her own mouth. Someone said, I can't help but think some of the things that come to my mind. You don't have to say them. You don't have to emphasize them. You don't have to stamp them with your approval. You don't have to tell somebody else. I want you to know, I want to give God a voice. I want to give God a voice of faith. I don't want to be ruled by that which is negative. But I do want there to be a persistent faith in my prayer life. What a valuable lesson 
for every one of us to learn from this scenario of Lazarus' death and then his resurrection. In fact, I want Almighty God to help me. I want Almighty God to help David Smith so that I will continually deafen my ears to all that is negative, choosing rather to have faith in God. Have faith in God. You know, I, I just think about when I was a boy. And when I was a boy, my father, of course, he was a, he was a tall man. By the time I was born, my father had already come into the apostolic church. So I just thought he'd always been in the church all of his life. And that's not true. He only was converted to the apostolic truth about just over a year prior to me being born. But when I thought of my dad, I always thought of somebody that was, uh, uh, he could take anybody on. I just felt like that he was big enough to handle every problem and every situation of life. It didn't matter what it was. If I ran into something, I could talk to my father about it. I could go to him. Now, it's true I was the baby, but every one of us ought to thank God we're our father's baby. We ought to thank God we've got a father that cares about us. Anyway, I want you to know he cares about you. He cares about where you're at. He cares about what you're going through and and all of that business. But the point I'm trying to get across is I just believe my father was big enough to take care of whatever had to be handled. Uh, now, that's not because they let me by with uh, with things I, I shouldn't be getting by with. I was taught when I was a boy, you go to school and get in trouble, when you get home you're in trouble. I mean, they, they weren't going to stand for my foolishness, they weren't going to let me disrespect those that were in authority and then not pay the consequences. They didn't take my blame. If I was to blame for something, stand up, square your shoulders, uh, take care of it. In other words, uh, they weren't going to try to get me out of it. Parents do their, their children a big disfavor when they try to fight every battle they've got when some of their battles are their own doings. Anyway. I can't get sidetracked on that. I'm just trying to explain my feelings about my father. My father was a big man, six feet, four inches tall. And, uh, you know, he was never, he was uh, never somebody that I looked like as being, uh, uh, overweight, and yet uh, he always probably was somewhere around 220 pounds and worked on the ocean and on the water all of his life, and he's just a tough guy. I mean, he was a tough guy. He thought the only way to deal with problems was just grab somebody by the scuff of their neck and pull them right up to him and, and take care of it. And so, <laughs> I had great confidence in my dad. Now, there were a few times that he made me a little uncomfortable, and we were building a we were building our new church in Brewer, and this goes back now, 1984, and uh, the excavators had been on the lot that, uh, that day, and, and uh, one of the operators had torn up some Cables and wires and, oh, man, just shut that whole end of the city down. I mean, just tore up these phone lines. And and uh, then uh, there were other things that were happening. And my father knew that uh, I was under stress. You know, we got this building project going on. And, and uh, no, it wasn't my fault what had happened with the wires. I had nothing to do with that. But... Anyway, my father lived way down on the coast, about a, 
a 75, 80 mile drive from there, but he decided he and mother would come up and take my wife and I out to supper that night and, and just kind of give us a break from, from the pressures of the, of the experiences and all. And, and so, Anyway, about the time my dad showed up to take my wife and I out to eat, and I'm still at the church, uh, uh, the manager from the hotel next door showed up at the church. When he showed up at the church, uh, he was angry. He'd been drinking, not my dad, the manager of the hotel. The manager of the hotel had been drinking, and he was not quite in his right frame of mind. But he had enough alcohol in him to make him pretty bold. And so he comes storming onto the property, and uh, they'd had a fire over at the hotel that afternoon. And, and the manager walked up to me, he said, you the pastor around here? I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, uh, well, he said, I want you to know ever since you all been building this building, we've had nothing but trouble around here. We've had nothing but problems. And he went to spewing his negativity. And I'm trying to be as polite and careful as I can. I, I just did not want any additional problems that were not necessary. About that time, my dad stepped out of nowhere. And he, he stepped out of nowhere. He walked up to the guy, walked right up and grabbed him just like this. He said, what's your name? The guy told him what his name was. My dad said, what's your problem? He said, and he, he went into the tirade again. And, and my dad said, well, my advice to you would be that you just calm down, go back to where you came from. And the man looked at me and he said, because of that. He said, you're going to pay double. He said, we're going to sue you. I mean, he went into a tirade. But the point I'm making is that my dad was one of these people. He just thought he could handle it all. He could take care of it. Whatever the situation was. Well, you know, it's not that God always handles things that way. But sometimes he does get the devil by the scuff of the neck and gives him a good trouncing when the devil needs it. I can trust my God to take care of everything I face. Well, what happened, Brother Smith? Well, I said, Daddy, why did you do that? Well, son, he said, that man was shooting his mouth off. He had no business coming over here and shooting his mouth off. And I said, well, but now he's going to sue the church. He said, no, he's not going to sue the church. And, And so I... I knew the owner of the hotel real well. He was a Jewish man, and I visited and talked with him many times. I said, well, we're going to nip this right here in the bud. And I went got on the telephone. I, I called up Mr. Shapiro, and I said, well, I said, the, the manager of your hotel has been by the church, and, and he has, he's pretty upset. And, uh, he said, and I said, he's more upset now than he was before he came. Because I said, my dad uh, happened to be here, and uh, my dad just uh, got kind of in his face and and uh, wanted to know what his problem was. And I said, the, the manager of your hotel said, y'all were going to sue us, you know, that it was our fault that you had a fire at the hotel today. He said, Reverend Smith, he said, uh, that fire had nothing 
to do with you folks. And as far as any lawsuit, there will be no lawsuit. You have absolutely nothing to worry about. I, I don't know what would possess the manager to do that, but you don't have a thing to worry about. And he won't be doing anything like that anymore. And he didn't. He lost his job. I didn't, I didn't ask for his job to be taken. I'm just telling you. My, I thought my father was a pretty big man. I thought my father, you know, you know, he's tough at taking care of things. But when your heavenly father gets on some situations, I want you to know he knows just how to take care of you. He knows just how to settle everything down. Amen. And tonight we need that kind of faith. We need a steadfast faith. Uh, A faith that will not uh, be dumped on by the negative. We refuse the negative voice and we refuse the negative thoughts that the enemy tries to defeat us with. Another important key that's extremely beneficial when it comes to receiving answers from God is importunity. Uh, Talked about this matter of steadfast faith. Well, now... You know, steadfast faith is very important, but we've got to be persistent in our prayers as well. In other words, you don't just pray today and and tomorrow. Well, no, I don't feel like praying tomorrow. No, you've got to be persistent in prayer. I heard people years ago that would tell me if, uh, you know, if you ever, if you ever ask God for something, don't ever ask him again. Because if you do, that's a lack of faith. Well, I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. Jesus himself said, if you ask, keep on asking. Or he said, if you ask, you shall receive. And if you seek, you shall find. And if you knock, the door will be opened unto you. And so to me, the principle is you ask until the answer comes. That's not doubting. That's being persistent in prayer. That's trusting in the Lord. That's, you know, you get paid at your job one week. You expect to get paid the next week. If you're still working the job, you don't say, well, they paid me last week. No, no, no. It's another week. You're going to get paid that next week if you do your job. And if you don't, then something's wrong. So here we are. When it comes to prayer, we've got to be persistent in prayer. We've got to learn to cultivate persistent prayer. In Luke chapter 18, Jesus gives the example of a woman who came before an unjust judge and she said, and, and as she came before the unjust judge, Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. One translation renders the verse this way. It says, men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Don't give up or don't turn coward. Just keep on praying till the answer comes. That's persistent prayer. I remember years ago, I, I had just turned 40 years old and uh, I, I uh, had come back from Africa to the States and my health broke on me. And then in the midst of all of that, I was diagnosed with a tumor in my body. And it was a situation that the enemy really tried to to harass me with. He harassed me for a lengthy amount of time. <clears throat> but I remember Elder 
Elder Hashira was a mentor in my life. My own pastor had died, and Elder Hashira became the the uh, elder pastor figure in my life. And uh, I lived about a 1,100 miles away from him. I'll never forget the day in the mail that I opened this envelope and there was a little handwritten note by my beloved elder that said, uh, Brother David, he said, uh, uh, many men have prayed strong prayers over this prayer cloth. There was a prayer cloth inside that envelope. And he said, many men have prayed strong prayers over this prayer cloth, and we won't stop praying till complete victory comes. That's what he said. I can't tell you what that meant to me, brother. Brother Looper, it was a bolster to my faith in the midst of one of the lowest times of my life. The enemy was trying to wear me down day after day, swelling in my body, throbbing, pain, discomfort, all of these symptoms and situations that were so so uh, tormenting to me and so forth. And yet I received this prayer cloth many Brethren have prayed strong prayers over this prayer cloth, and we won't stop praying for you till complete victory comes. I want to tell somebody the victory came. I want to tell somebody the tumor disappeared. I want to tell somebody it was there, but God took it out. Amen. I'm just telling you the way it is. I was diagnosed with it. It was there. And then six months later, finally, because of the haggling symptoms and the swelling and the throbbing and the pain and the discomfort, I finally submitted to go to a specialist, the head oncologist in the area. I'll never forget when he finished examining me and he turned the light back on and the room and pulled his uh, his wheelie chair right over to the gurney uh, and he sat right there looking right into my face uh, and he said, Reverend, you don't have anything to worry about. And I looked at him and uh, before I could ask what he meant, he said, there's no tumor there. But that morning there was swelling. That night before there was throbbing. There was discomfort. But he looked at me and said, there's no tumor there. And I want to tell you when I walked out of that that appointment and my wife said, what did the doctor say? And I told her before I could get one sentence out, I'm laughing. And then she said, well, what else did he say? And I'm trying to tell her and then I got a laugh. And then I'm getting a little more out and I'm laughing. It felt like a million pounds had just rolled off from me. It felt like those weights that were that were weighting me down to where I couldn't even breathe. They were going. They were gone because the Lord had given me complete victory. Just like the elder said, we're not going to stop praying till complete victory comes. That's the importance of persistent prayer. You gotta pray and pray some more. You gotta pray till the victory comes. You gotta pray until you pray through the obstacles and you pray through the barriers and, and you pray through whatever gets in the way between you and the answer from God. Hallelujah. 
Jesus tells us that the judge in Luke 18, and I'm hurrying to a close. The judge in Luke 18 didn't fear God. He did not have any regard for man either. But there was a certain widow woman from the city that came to the judge wanting justice from her adversary. While at first the judge did absolutely nothing to help her. Yet because she kept coming and because she was troubling him, the unjust judge said, I'll avenge her. Lest by her constant annoyance, she wear me out. That's literally what the words mean from the King James Version. Lest she wear me out. And then we notice in the very next verse where the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. Amen. Oh, God, help us as the children of God to cry out to Him, to pray and to pray. Pray some more and to be persistent in our prayer. For Jesus said, shall not God avenge his own elect who cry day and night unto him? In other words, shall he not defend them? Shall he not give them justice who cry out to him continually? I'm telling somebody tonight, keep on praying. I'm telling you, be persistent in prayer. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get discouraged. If you prayed about it and the answer isn't yours yet, keep on praying until the answer comes. Amen, amen. You can stand with me while I'm concluding. Amen. You see, Jesus said in verse 8 that He's going to avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, Shall he find faith on the earth? What kind of faith? Persistent faith. Persistent faith. Prayers that are persistent prayers. The point is this. If a worldly-minded judge would respond favorably to the persistence of a poor widow woman, how much more so... Will our loving God avenge His people who never stop crying out to Him? He's not an unjust judge. He's a loving God. He's a Father of yours. He's a Father of mine. I want you to know He's going to avenge His children if we never stop crying out to Him. Oh, I know on occasions the answer we're praying for may be delayed, it seems. But we must be persistent in prayer anyway. Because God, who is faithful, will surely defend His own. In fact, I just believe the answer's already on the way. I'm telling somebody tonight, regardless of what's going on with coronavirus, I truly believe the answer is already on the way. Somebody needs to get your head above the clouds. You need to get your head above the shadows. You need to get your head above all the negative reports and understand we've got a Father and the prayers that we're praying. He hears the cry of His children. The answer is already on the way. Amen. In closing, I leave you with this. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5. Where Paul says, let this mind be in you, 
that was also in Christ Jesus. Then in writing to the Romans, chapter 12, verse 2, Paul speaks about us being transformed by the renewing of our mind. You see, until we reach the point of transformation, the natural man inside of you and me will continually limit us from seeing what God really desires to do. I'm a natural man. You have a natural being. And there's a natural man that every one of us have to deal with. We've got to get to that point of transformation. That place where our mind is renewed. Because until such a transformation takes place, then we'll keep seeing and doing things our way. But if we're going to have answers from God, we've got to get beyond our way. And we've got to somehow reach that point of transformation where we can begin seeing it His way. When we encounter a renewing of the mind, then we start seeing things from God's point of view, which truly is from a whole different perspective than what we as natural beings see and think. Oh God, I want to see it from Your point of view. I want to see it Your way, Lord. I want to reach that point in prayer, in persistent prayer, till I can break through the clouds and I can get into the atmosphere of getting beyond myself and getting into a realm of His presence where I can see and hear what it is that He's saying and what He wants to do. Amen. I close tonight. I wonder. Uh, there, there are many things to say and to talk about even on this subject. But I... I just want you to understand persistence will make a difference. I'll give you this example as I close. I heard the story years ago of, a, of a, these men that uh, tried an experiment. They had a four-foot solid block of granite, four feet thick. They drilled a hole had to be a pretty strong drill, pretty, uh, pretty cutting edge to drill down into that granite, into its center. Into the core of that granite, they drilled that hole. And then, after drilling the hole, uh, they planted a seed. They dropped a seed down inside that deep, dark shaft in the middle of the granite. Finally, over the course of time, uh, the water made its way into that uh, opening, into that shaft, and uh, light would uh, get down in there at times, and the seed germinated. And a plant began to grow from deep in the middle of that four-foot solid block of granite. Finally, the growth process of a single seed produced enough pressure from within inside that block until the solid granite was literally split into two pieces. It was the power 
of a single seed that split that granite block. And I want to tell somebody tonight the power of persistent prayer. When the enemy tells you it's impossible, you might as well shut up. You might as well stop praying. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy because the power of a single prayer is all it takes to split the hardness of a heart, to open up a shaft of hope, to bring about an answer and a victory. I've come to declare in this sanctuary at First Pentecostal Church tonight and to anybody that might be listening, if you've been praying, pray on. Don't stop praying now. Pray on. Pray until complete victory comes. Let your prayers be persistent prayers, regardless of what it looks like, regardless of what the circumstances may be. God's bigger than all of it. He's an unfailing God. And again, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So have faith in God. He's an all-time God, yes he is, well, all-time God, yes he is, well, now he may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time, he's an all-time God, yes he is, oh, well, he's an all-time God, yes he is. Yeah. 